0: Good everyone and welcome back to um, COVID Conversations. Today we have a really special opportunity to speak with, uh, I think a leading light in the business community, Rachel Tolele. Rachel has unique insights into our food and beverage sector uh, she is a member of my Business Advisory Council. Um, she's also part of the um, APEC um, Business Advisory Team uh, and is currently working with Indigenous Food and Beverage Producers, Cornwall. Uh, Rachel, it's awesome to have you with us here um, today. And, and Clark's just walked into the back <laughs> of the <show. laughs> But
1: with you both, it's, right, that's it's really why
0: you set up the shot. <laughs> uh,
1: that's awesome. <laughs>
0: Um, Rachel, it's awesome to have the chance to be able to speak with um, you today. Before I get into some questions though, tell me about your bubble. How's it going as a mum?
1: The bubble is going fairly well. I think that um, after a couple of initial uh, growing pains, let's call it, and we've only got family inside our bubble, so there's myself, my husband, my daughter and my brother and his dog, it's, uh, it's gone well. We've had a lot of personal learnings about ourselves, but also each other that have made things a little bit um, a little bit easier. In fact, we went on a walk yesterday and, and I made them, I always make them take photos, which they hate, and also made them talk about the one learning that they've taken away from this time. So it's good. Anything good out of that? Uh, yeah, Like I learned that my husband is super calm, really calm. I mean, I knew that before, but this is, he's definitely come to the fore on this one, that my brother's a voracious learner that Lily is ready to roll with anything at any given time and um turns out that I might have control issues (laughs) so complete shocker never saw that one coming and so how is it for someone with control issues um
0: working in an environment right now uh food and beverage which is and and as an exporter uh and you've worked in that space for a long time
1: how does it feel to be in a situation where there's just such a lack of control right now It was tough, actually. It crept up on me a little bit. I've got to say, I've never, um, I wasn't quite sure what the emotion was, but the first two weeks um, after the initial announcement of of lockdown and Alert Level 4, we were obviously deemed an essential business as a food producer, and that was, uh, you know, amazing. It was a real uh, privilege to be put in that position, and so we wanted to treat it with great care as did the rest of the primary industry. So we threw ourselves wholus bolus into creating a framework for safety for our team because they also were—they took fright. They wanted to stay at home and be at home as is the messaging, which is the correct thing to do, but equally uh, we needed to keep the wheels turning on food production. So two weeks were fairly frenetic, I would say, and so I guess in that environment you're in your happy space, so you're moving and you're running and you're um, providing guidance and direction and setting up um, communications with the team, so that part was fine. Once we got to the end of the, the first or second week when that was in place and then it became, well, how do we just work in this environment, it slowed up a little and that's when I really felt it. I thought, well, you know, now what's my, what's my reason? What's my gig? And um, you just redirect yourself and repivot and assess those energies and I think, think a lot about where you get your energy from, which is being really helpful.
0: A lot of businesses are really just coming into a phase that you've already been through and have just come through and that is preparing a business to work in a space where you're having to be really mindful of new health and safety
1: mm-hmm. protocols.
0: You know, social distancing and just um, really upping those basic hygiene measures in a workplace. You already work in food production so that will be top of mind but can you tell us a little bit about what you did with your workplace?
1: Yeah, it's, it was, it's been a really, uh, this might sound unusual, but it's been a very rewarding experience being able to work with a strong team and know that you need to make sure that your bench is as strong as your a leader might be. And so to bring the whole team into the space and say, what will we do given here are MPI's expectations or the government's expectations of us, here's our relative, or our, our, here are our industry groups, where it be it New Zealand Wine Growers or Aquaculture New Zealand or Hops or whomever it might be, here are their expectations of us and here's our lived experience and our reality of actually being in the business and doing it. So how do we marry all of those? And what we did is we sat sat down, we zoomed down as a team and we just Constantine it in and out without attaching ourselves to the right answer straight out of the gates, which is a real temptation of being in businesses that you want to nail it straight away. And given that there is an urgency around this, uh, you know, we, we tried to resist the urge to do that because we had to take our time to make sure that it was right. So we came up with measures around hygiene and people's movements and accountability for your movements when you weren't with us. And I think that will be really important for businesses as they go into level three, or at least if they reopen as we uh, get into level three, is to think about there's the time that your people are with you and you have got relatively good controls in and around that by spacing and hygiene and, and convening and contact. Then there's the time when they're not with you. So it's really important to take the time to speak with your team and convey the importance of that time. As much as you do, the time that you spend at work. A really fantastic
0: message because it sounds to me that means that you've been having conversations all the way through with your workforce, with your with your Cornwall family. Yeah. Uh, what kind of role have they played in helping to get you back up and running in these new the new circumstances?
1: We look. We've done a couple of things which I really love, and I know that we'll continue after this. So we created a, a closed Facebook page for our team for whoever wished to jump on there. I do live streams a couple of times a week where people can come on and ask me questions. And there's been a noticeable um, change in the cadence of questions, how many we have coming through, and the types of things that they're about, because the better the communications are, the calmer people can feel in, in their movements. So, a couple of live streams a week from me. And then also, I run a couple of sessions a week, and I call them virtual water cooler chats. So, they're the kind of chats that you might have if you ran into each other in the office at the water cooler their zoom calls so they're face to face there is no agenda other than if you wish to turn up turn up we have a chat we talk about dogs and baking and frustrations that people might have and you know what they're seeing when they're out in the streets and it's very casual but it's a way to connect where Hmm. you might not be otherwise what kind of feedback have you been getting about those well you know they tell me good things because I'm on them and I host them so they're amazing um but look I think generally they're good people keep showing up people get chatting with each other and I think it's one thing to create a forum for those sorts of conversations but what is really heartening to me is to see people speaking to each other through them whether it's the Facebook page or or in another forum and I can see them encouraging each other small comments like I really love what I saw you do at work today. Oh, that's a great idea what you've done with your bottle of hand sanitizer at home. I'll better do that tomorrow. So it, mm. it's, it has a life of its own. And I think if you create the right environment for your team to feel um, calm and supported and communicated with, it, it will be a much easier experience.
0: How do you keep morale up in a large workplace um, when you're losing the ability to have that social time you'd usually have?
1: that is where um all of the written and virtual communications are one thing and i think that you they're important and um, you have to use different kinds of mediums to get information shared with your team but we rely as a business who has been working on site on our general managers and on our team leaders and our two ics to really be those be those people on whom everyone relies and that's a big responsibility for the team when you can't necessarily train your team for this kind of experience. I mean, this the virus has, I think, um, confounded all of the science world and the academic world and the economic world. And so then to, I think, put the responsibility on people um, overnight, you really start to see great leaders and great mm-hmm. leadership come to the fore. And we have no end of great stories. And in the panel that I do weekly to the team, there is a good guys section. And we, the story is everywhere. We had three skippers who immediately decided to lock down together on the vessel that they work on. And when they're not on the vessel, they are at home. So away from their whānau for the whole month. We have had our trade marketing executive move to the awatiri into a caravan that basically has a toaster in it. And she has become the COVID coordinator over there. So these sorts of little things are everywhere because I think it comes from a very genuine, humble place where people know the need. And and are ready to to fill
0: that. You make an amazing point though about this being something that has confounded people. So in a way, it's a great leveller for everyone to bring their ideas because there are no, uh, there are no, there's no singular person who can tell us what to do with the future now. It's all in our hands. So well, there's, there's no handbook. I wish there was. It would be great, no handbook. But there's no handbook. But mm-hmm. if we were writing the handbook for New Zealand and for say exporters. Um, or for our food and beverage producers, what does that look like? You're an ex-US Trade Commissioner. What Mm -hmm. do you think the future looks like?
1: I think, and not to be naive or um, Pollyanna about it, I think that we have a golden opportunity uh, as a country to build on our position as a world-class producer of food and beverages, but even more so now than ever, a trusted source of safe and premium food products So the messaging has been there, the messaging has been um, very strong, but it's not been largely distinct sometimes from other countries in a similar position. But I think the given through the work that, um, you know, through the work that you have done, through work that the um, citizens have have undertaken in in response, we're proving ourselves to be a very um, collegial, collaborative, uh, very committed nation of people to our safety and by extension others. And I think that that's a platform for us to build on. It's it's relatively unprecedented. And so in that sense you see a good space for
0: our primary producers in particular to I guess uh, either bounce back where they have perhaps seen um, a dip and uh, many haven't but also just come back stronger.
1: I think so. I mean I think what is the alternative really you either um, as our business has and we've we've sought direction from a couple of people who have um, participated in high impact events. We I, I asked Malcolm Johns from Christchurch Airport to come and speak with our team because he has been through a couple of really high impact events. And the only way really to know how to respond is to have experienced. And so, um, you know, one hopes this doesn't happen again, but I bet the next time it does, we respond in an even stronger manner. So in our conversations we've and I noticed this through the business industry actually in the business community is that there has been a period of um survive conversation there's definitely been a strong and that won't stop a strong theme of how do we survive this how do we pivot how do we um, make sure we can get all four wheels back on the track then what I'm seeing emerging is this growing conversation around well how do we thrive out of this and I know that words that I've heard being used are uh, recovery and reimagine. Mm. And Thrive is just another one of those ways to describe how do you uh, draw a line in the sand and and appreciate the what's potentially a very dire situation for a number of our businesses, and in particular our small and medium sized businesses, and and how do you um, take all of that innovation and and wily ways that we have within New Zealand and 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 come out of this strong if, and and maybe even stronger than we were so I've had um, in my bubble as I said my brother and he runs with my father and my mother our family business which is a concrete paving business and I felt greatly the the privilege of having a team when they are a textbook definition of a small business and so I can only imagine, having seen that experience, the number of hours that businesses like that have just burned, thinking about how they exist. Mm-hmm. So it's been, yeah, there's it would be um, I think naive to think that this isn't going to um, be the end for some of our businesses. And so what kind of you know the we our character traits of
0: resilience and of course what we're trying our best to do is. Um, just uh, where uh, the virus has uh, really had an impact on businesses who, of course, want to keep their employees going, want to essentially be in hibernation so they can come out and thrive. We can play that role, but um, we can't um, innovate for um, uh, for our business community. We can incentivize it and encourage it. What do you think, though, what kind of um, creativity and innovation do you think we should be really trying to support in the aftermath if we're making the most of those opportunities out the other side of COVID?
1: I think that private and public collaboration is absolutely key at the moment. I think you're right, I think it's really difficult for um, government specifically to, to, to lead that innovation for various reasons, and they're not negative, they're just facts. But the private sector, you know, it is, it, it is their job to be innovative you know it's our role to think about our business first and how we might undertake our business and how we might as i said pivot our business and do things a little differently than we have previously and i think the role that government plays is to clear the path Mm. some of that innovation i think it is to enable it whether it's by investment or um, intellectual capability or you know any number of enablements that the government can provide but the, the business of innovation is, is that of business. Um, but the partnership, I think, is really important, and you can see that happening in a number of places. I mean, the calls that I've been on the last couple of days, the Te Hono call, which we had about 35 um, primary sector leaders on yesterday. We also had um, chief executives of state sectors, uh, state sector organisations, and also a couple of ministers. This morning with Tim from Allbirds, equally we had uh, Minister O'Connor on. So I think that... What is great about our ministers is um, you know, there's a lack of ego there where they know what, what their contribution can and should be, and equally they're very happy to just enable that conversation to happen. Mm.
0: And so um, coming then to some of the, uh, obviously you're working on food and beverage um, and hugely connected to those uh, 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 within our Maori um, economic development space as well. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing or what you're thinking is for Maori businesses out the other side of COVID nineteen as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's a um, it's interesting with Maori um, businesses and Maori economy and Maori generally. When you look back at events of this nature, by and large, the most vulnerable sectors of society are um, the ones that that fear less positively. I think that Maori at the moment are keen on seeing national and coordinated leadership that we're keen on seeing um, how we might take the data or at least have access to data so we can use that in in a predictive manner for how we could respond collectively to that. I think we're hardwired for survival. But I think that being philosophically ready for something is not the same as as how that reality might play out. You can't have it be by default. So philosophically, we, we have survived lots of ales over the years, but that, uh, as I say, by default doesn't mean that this will follow in the same suit. I think that we have to be really concerted in our efforts to understand the challenges. I think that we have to value what's been happening at a local level. So it's been really encouraging to see local... Um, hapū and whānau and community responses because they know their people and they know their community and they know what the solutions to those relatively bespoke um, challenges might be. And I think to allow, again, that concept of allowing space for that to happen is important as we move forward. So to resist that urge to place a universal response when actually you know, not all of these things are the same, and I think it's okay for that to have a a distinct and unique response.
0: There'll be um, young people out there as well who will uh, be wondering what their future is going to look like. Now we've lost a lot of predictability, and we've lost it in a really short space of time. Um, some, of course, who might be coming to the end of their education and be thinking about job opportunities that might look look a little bit different than than they would have even three months ago. Do you have any specific messages for for young people coming into um, a working environment right now around where the opportunities exist and just what they might do?
1: Yeah, it's I guess as a starting premise, I think our young people are amazing. I think that they are the most liberated, smart thinking assets that we have um, amongst us. And I think that we need to create space for their voices to be heard. I think that we need to keep um, encouraging, um you know entrepreneurial training and enterprise training the the likes of which I participate in through young enterprise those those sorts of programs which which take just germs of ideas and give our young people the confidence and then laterally the ability to actually bring that to life is more important now than I I would say it has been previously I think there's a job to do to now connect the demand signals between industry and our training institutions so, so what, and actually that's a call on our industry as well. We previously, I don't know that we have committed to saying in five years or in 10 years, we need X kind of people, X kind of skills. We, we should be demanding that of our industries so that we can feed that directly back through into the training institutions. So we're not training in a vacuum. Yeah, so the, yeah the future of work for me is it was always pretty front of mind. And I think this has brought that all the way forward, but you, you, creating uh, spaces and places for creativity and innovation is really important and in times of um, economic depression that's when you see really great ideas come to the fore because they have to mm. so if you look at what happened at the GFC we've got great high-tech companies come through like Vend and green button and power by proxy that you know they come out because at this time uh, by and large there's, there's that's more and create. Yeah, better opportunities. That's what we create because, you know, you get backed into a corner and, and our very nature is to come out and think about how, how how do we leap out of that corner? How do we come out of a boxing? And those high-tech jobs create, or those high-tech companies create high-value jobs and that has a halo effect for everyone, whether or not you're, you know, a tech head, which I'm not, but if you're a tech head or not those companies are the you know the they're the germs of the rocket labs and the zeros and those really light touch uh scalable companies that i think this sort of experience makes more possible than it did previously so it's probably a matter of making sure that our young people believe that they can be the next
0: founder curator and entrepreneur behind those companies at the same time
1: yeah, yeah, it is. It is. A, there's a lot of, um, and, I, and I suppose this speaks to the idea that we need to really invest in our human capital and perhaps less on the hard skills than the soft skills. So the more social, emotional, relational skills that do give them that confidence that anything is possible. So I can turn my hand to this or I can turn my hand to that, but either way, I'll be okay. Yeah, which just gives that
0: extra sense of security at the same time too. But for consumers, um, you're obviously working in the food and beverage sector, you're an exporter, but equally wanting to encourage Kiwis to support um, locally grown, locally made. What message would you have for New Zealand consumers right now?
1: I think that where we've always had a choice, we have an even greater choice now when we are going to throw the gates open and whenever that happens as to who we invite back into our lives and who we choose to support and motivate um, as businesses. So I think that applies to us as individual consumers. So we, you know, I think we'll see people look for businesses who move and behave in good ways. I think that On a broader scale, when we start investing in sectors and industries to help their viability, you know, and sustainability as we go forward, I I hope that we tag our funding with uh, a demonstrable commitment to be good corporate citizens. So, you know, take a positive position on water, start using renewables, pay the living wage, whatever that commitment might be. I really, really, at my core, hope that we do do that because we have this opportunity to reward and motivate people who are going to best represent us. So, so yeah, I think we have, It's the power of choice is now yeah. even greater than it has been previously.
0: I love that idea that you've just expressed around being conscious about who we're inviting back into our lives because, you know, we've restricted right down all of our, our spending and our activity be out of necessity and now that we're opening back up just being really thoughtful about where we're going and why we're going there and who's, who it is that we're,
1: you know, making sure that we support. I think um, so. And it's a, I mean, it's a tough one as well. I, I, I'm absolutely a proponent of the buy local and support local, 100%, but I'm always really cognizant that we're an export nation <laughs> and that if everyone all of a sudden Um, is living and dying by buy local, that will be very problematic for us as a country. So just buy local in New Zealand. (laughs) You know, like, if you're an American... Everyone else just buy well. (laughs) Exactly. You guys buy us, and we'll buy us, and everyone will be fine. (laughs) So I think, you know, if Americans only started buying Sonoma, Napa, and Oregon wine, we we specifically will be a bit naked. So I think that there... I think it's a it's a broader point about supporting supporting yeah. good and supporting um conscious and committed companies and yeah. what they're doing mm. i think it's a good message to have <laughs> so, do, yeah. it's not like totally killed international trade because that won't be winner but but equally that is a really tough one for new zealand we yeah. we move through the world with a what's probably a hard-fought privilege of operating in a transparent um, rules-based trading um, system mm. we rely on the wto we, we we count on them not only being in existence but being strong mm-hmm. and i my fear presently is that uh the world as it moves into a very batten down the hatches mode might become so wildly protectionist that no matter how we good, good we are here we can be gold plated here in New Zealand. But if the world won't let us play the game, that that, that will um, prove to be, I think, one of our greatest challenges.
0: And that's something top of mind for us at the moment. So far with the COVID response, we've seen that actually people are in um, positions where they're really seeking out quality, um, healthy and food and beverage products that they can trust. And thankfully, mm-hmm. New Zealand continues to fit into that category strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we are in a position at the moment where people may choose to batten down the hatches, and we need to make sure that we can continue to trade successfully in that environment. So mm-hmm. we'll keep working on that.
1: Yeah, and great. Yeah.
0: Um, I think you make a and a It's a bit
1: sort
0: of, how will we do that? Um, yes. Job. Well, we already we already are, and I think that demonstrates that consumers are still making choices that are outwardly focused, even if we see that physically they're um, physically, you know, closing and closing off the risks, which are people, and um, they are not closing off products. Uh, but we are also. Um, an exporting nation that does trade in um, uh, goods and services, so there are still some big challenges there for us.
1: Yeah, so much of this, I think, uh, is is our ability to be supportive of the economies who who do support us, and I think that's where that staying in conversation and the importance of ensuring that there is a sort of free flow of information and and conversation and support is is super important. And I think that even though there might be an initial retraction. Uh, probably forced through fear more than anything, that that people will start breathing again and they will relax that position and move again.
0: Mm. All right, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, just talking about the realities in your space, but also particularly your insights of being a business that's been operating while we've been in lockdown, just to give a few little tips and tricks for those who might be transitioning back into being in the workplace under COVID-19. We've really appreciated your time and
1: your thoughts. Very best of luck. Thank you my pleasure good luck to you too namaste namaste and-